You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Have you ever thought of just how many decisions you make every single day of your life. Researchers recently at Cornell University estimate that we make 35,000 decisions every single day. They, They label them as remotely conscious decisions. 200 of those remotely conscious decisions or what we're going to eat. Those are the good decisions, right? I think those are the most important decisions. Well, most Monday mornings, Pastor Gerb and I have to make a decision. Not every Monday. Sometimes we have this decision made before Monday morning. Does anyone want to venture to guess what we are choosing? Not what we're going to have for breakfast. It's what we're going to preach on. And typically we have three choices. Sometimes four because there's a psalm as well. In the lectionary, in the front of your hymnals, there's a thing that's called the lectionary. Jeff, you know all about the lectionary now. And it lists, and this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Actually a thousand plus years. And it's, it's an Old Testament lesson. A New Testament lesson, which is usually an epistle lesson from Paul. And always a gospel lesson. And sometimes a psalm. And so you read through these. And you figure out, what am I going to preach on this week? Actually, for this sermon, I only had two choices. Hi, Pastor Gerber. He was preaching at a different trinity this morning in Blair. So this particular sermon, I only had two choices. Myself and my 14 vicar friends, we had two choices, and we knew this already six or seven weeks ago. We had to pick either Romans 8 or Matthew 13. Well, you already know I picked Matthew 13 because that's what I just read, correct? When I read Matthew 13, it was easy. It was a no-brainer. It was a slam dunk. It was a no-doubter. I chose the gospel lesson for today, Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, because I love to grow stuff. I like to plant stuff. But I hate weeds. When I was a kid... My dad would come home like clockwork, especially in the summer because we were home, and I I remember this, like clockwork. 12.35, he was in the door. He would eat lunch, and then he would lay down, get horizontal, and he would be sleeping within seconds. And at exactly at 1.25, he would wake up and go to work. 
Never used an alarm clock his whole entire life. It was amazing. But before he left for work, especially in the summer when my brother Ryan and I were, were home, he would give us a task or two. And one of the worst tasks he gave us was pulling water grass or water weeds from the lawn. Here's a picture of what water grass looks like. Unfortunately, that came from my lawn this week. It's not crabgrass and it's not brome grass, it's water grass. And you can pick one at a time. But there were patches of water grass, hundreds of plants of water grass. It was painstaking. One plant by one plant, hundreds and hundreds of water weeds. My dad also devised a way to hook up a little squirt bottle with weed be gone to his mower. And so while he was mowing, if he saw a dandelion or some clover, squirt, 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 goodbye weeds. So my distaste for weeds comes from my dad, doesn't it? And it left, left a lasting impression to this day. I work hard at eliminating weeds from my gardens and my lawn. Here's a recent picture of my backyard. Not too many weeds. I can't guarantee you there's no weeds, but there's not very many weeds. Well, this morning's gospel is about weeds, isn't it? Why wouldn't I choose this text? Easy peasy. Should be a piece of cake. It's in my wheelhouse. So if you remember the parable, there was a master, there was a farmer. He had a field. And he sowed amazing wheat seeds into this field one day, waiting for those seeds to germinate and pop up and he couldn't wait for the harvest. But during the night, something very strange happened. An enemy, he sowed weed seeds in the midst of his wheat seeds. Well, before long, they both start coming up, right? And one day his servants were looking and they're going, what happened? we got to go tell the master. So they did. Master, master, we have a problem. There are weeds growing in your wheat. Do you want us to go pull out the weeds? And the master said, no, 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 no. Hold the phone. Except there were no phones. If you pull out the wheat, you could do damage. Excuse me. If you pull out the weeds, you could do damage to the wheat. There will be a time to separate the weeds and the wheat, he told his servants, at harvest time. At harvest, the servants then, they would gather the weeds first, and what would they do with the weeds? Throw them in a burn pile, right? 
but then they would gather the wheat. And what would they do with the wheat? Put them in the barn. Put them in the storehouse. Put them in the barn. Pretty clear message, don't you think? If you choose God, you get to go to the storehouse of heaven. If you don't choose God, you're going to go to hell and be burned up. But hold the phone again. As my professor for my preaching one class painfully reminded me. I mean painfully reminded me. We don't choose God. God chooses us. He chose us when we became baptized children of God. He chose us to become a member of his family. You see, we are already wheat. We are already chosen, already saved by Christ and what he did on the cross for us. We are already chosen. We already are saved because Jesus rose again on the third day. But it doesn't mean life's going to be easy. You see, Lee, we live in a world of weeds, don't we? We sometimes, or sometimes, it seems like we are surrounded by weeds. It seems as if sin has been thrown in our faces like never before. Good is good, good is bad, and bad is good. Sin is celebrated. Are you getting the picture? Christian morals and values are marginalized. And honestly, sometimes they're spat upon. Well, these two contrasting paths have been colliding like never before in our country. So what is our reaction as wheat, as children of God, as the church, the saints of all believers. What is our reaction? Well, we pull the weeds out, right? Get rid of the weeds. Again, hold the phone. This wasn't what Jesus told the disciples when he explained. Remember the parable? Don't pull out the weeds because you may damage the wheat. The weeds were likely a, a weed named darnel. Darnel and wheat look very similar when they're growing. Take a look. Can you tell which is the darnel and which is the wheat? The weeds are on the left. The wheat is on the right. It isn't until maturity, until the life cycle has ended... That's when you can tell the difference. A mature darnel head is black and stands straight up. Do you see it? A mature wheat head is brown and droops with the heaviness of the wheat kernels. 
at harvest time, then it's possible. Then it's possible to tell the difference. But not until then. You see, it's not up to us to do the judging as we observe others. It's up to Jesus in the end. We can be quick to want to pull the weeds to judge others. Before long, we damage or we can cause damage to the good plants thinking that we can judge and separate ourselves. I have a little neighbor girl. Her name is Kellen. She's six years old. And Kellen likes to help me with my gourds. We have planted some gourds in the easement between her fence, her parents' fence, and the cornfield. Can you kind of see the gourd patch? It's kind of bright in here. You got fennel, you got gourd patch, you got corn. That's about two weeks ago. Trust me, those gourds are a lot bigger. Well, one day, a couple weeks ago, she wanted to go see how the gourds are doing, so we walked down, and we were looking at the gourds, and she was pretty excited they were growing. And on our way back to her house, I saw a couple weeds. So what do you think I did? I pulled them. And Kellen said, can I help? Well, sure, you can pull weeds. And actually, her little fingers did a better job because she got in the bottom of the mulch with her little fingers and she was able to pull those weeds all out the whole root, the whole nine yards. She was doing great. But then something happened. One of the flower plants, a, a little flower plant that looked like a fern that, hadn't, that wasn't blooming yet and it's still not blooming, well, it looked kind of like the weeds. Here they are side by side. The fern plant on the left, the weed on the right. You already know what happened, don't you? Before I could say, stop, Kellen had a hold of that fern plant and she ripped it out. Not the whole thing, but some of it. This is what it looked like, poor little fern plant drying up. Well, Jesus tells us in this parable to be patient. He will do the sorting at the end. He knows the weeds. He knows the wheat. I have a nephew. His name is Brennan. When Brennan was three years old, his mom and dad got a divorce. And it was hard on him. He was at such a vulnerable age. He loved his mommy. He loved his daddy. And now all of a sudden they're not together. Brennan grew up looking like a weed. He certainly didn't look like wheat. By the time he was in high school, he was really messed up. You see, he had surrounded himself with weeds. His senior year, he dropped out of school. He moved into the apartment 
And he and all of his drug buddies still today know what the apartment is. Drugs going in, drugs coming out. How else is a dropout senior in high school supposed to pay for an apartment? Weeds coming in, weeds coming out. 24-7. Didn't make any difference what time of day. Using drugs, dealing drugs. It was Drug City and it was Party Central. You see, weeds surrounded him. Drugs eventually destroyed all of his teeth. And the weeds nearly destroyed his life. He told me this week that during his time, this time of his life, he would still occasionally come to church. But he would come to church still strung out, still high as a kite. But never did anyone ever say, you're not welcomed here, or you need to leave. And he told me that if anyone would have ever told him that, he would have never come back. Think about that. So by this point in his life, many of his family, many of his friends had given up on Brennan. And I hate to admit it, but his uncle Greg had given up on him too. But there were two faithful wheats who never gave up on him. His mom, his, my sister Carrie, and his grandma... My mom, Marion, they never, ever stopped praying. They never stopped believing that Brennan could be the wheat that God had intended him to be. In 2006, he had a horrific car accident. And yes, he was totally intoxicated. His back was broken to bits but he survived. And that was a turning point. But it didn't happen overnight. Slowly but surely, those fervent prayers from his mom and from his grandmother, oh, they started being revealed in marvelous ways. Because you see, the Spirit of God convicted Brennan of his sin. The Spirit of God drew him to Christ. The Spirit of God raised him to new life, and the Spirit of God granted him faith. He slowly became the wheat that God had intended him to be. Today, Brennan is a loving, faithful husband to a wife named Trinity. Now that makes me smile. I bet it makes you smile. She changed her name three years ago. Oh, and she is a shock of wheat. Let me tell you. They live in Hawaii where 
where Trinity is a Chinese interpreter for the U.S. government. But you're probably wondering about Brennan, right? Well, he's a stay-at-home dad to four little shocks of wheat and to a 23-year-old adopted daughter who they took in six or seven years ago. Five years ago, Brandon got his GED so he could go to college. He's studying counseling, ministry, and theology. Here's a picture of Brendan and his family just a few months ago. Doesn't look like a bunch of weeds to me. We get eager to pull out the weeds, don't we? We get eager to point out the weeds in other people's lives, don't we? You see, God was patient with Brennan, and God will be patient with you. He is patient with you. In his time, he will do the judging. And that judgment is real. It's crystal clear in our text, verses 41 and 42. The Son of Man, Jesus, will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty harsh reality, isn't it? But there's more. Another glorious reality for the believers, for the penitent sinners? Well, that is a completely different picture. But it's just as clear. Verse 43, the righteous, that's you and that's me, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. The righteous will shine like the sun on the last day but not like the sun, S-U-N. We will shine like the sun, S-O-N. We will be shining like the sun as he shines today, sitting at the right hand of the Father in all of his glory, resurrected from the dead. A glory that you too will experience because of what Jesus did for you. What Jesus did for me. He suffered. He died. He bled for you. He rose again for you. You are the wheat. You are not the weeds. You are saved. As a baptized, redeemed child of God, you're going into the barn into the storehouse of heaven. So you might be asking yourself, well, how can we be assured of this? We can be assured of this because of the grace of God and the grace of God that comes to us through word and sacrament. We can be assured of this because of his word being preached to you, being read to you, 
and through a sacrament. The sacrament of holy baptism. Where did my water go? Can you picture me sprinkling water? The waters of holy baptism washing away our sin. That's the grace of God. That's the assurance that God is talking about that Jesus brings to us. And he also brings this assurance to us in the Holy Supper, doesn't he? In his very body. Guess what kind of bread that is? Wheat. Wheat bread. In his very body he comes to us. And in his very blood. The very blood that he poured out for us, for you, for me on the cross at Calvary. That's the assurance that we have. Now when you think about the Holy Supper and we come to the table, sometimes we take for granted of the dismissal, the blessing that we receive. It's that assurance that we need. Now may this very body and may this very blood of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ do what? Strengthen and preserve you through the one true faith to life everlasting. Now that's some assurance. That's some assurance where we're going to be on the last day. Yes, that last day will be quite a day, won't it? Jesus won't be playing around, but, but you don't have to be worried. Your patient and just God has already chosen you to be his redeemed child. You live in his promises And all the saints who have gone before us, with us, we look forward to that one last promise. Being raised on the last day. And on that day, you will shine like the sun in his kingdom forever. Amen? Amen. Amen.